The Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Czar. What's up, Mike? Hey, Chet. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Yes. I wouldn't go so far as to say good, but not bad. <laughs> I would say good. I would say good. Because, like like we just said a few minutes ago, we're alive. We are. We're alive and healthy. Yep. I, that's one thing I you am. Know? Imagine having some big hospital thing happen right now. It would not be yeah, good. Yeah, that would not be good. It can always okay. be worse. It can always be worse. And then the pessimist would say, it, it could also always be better. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm quite grateful for what I have, but in all reality, right now at the moment, I'm, I'm fair to Midland, yeah. muscle menos. Muscle menos. Lukewarm ah. in the middle. And muscle menos means more or less. Mas means more and O is or and Menos is less. So yeah. muscle menos. That's like the Spanish way of being like, yeah, right in the middle. <clears throat> muscle menos. Hmm. Yeah. Lisa got, Lisa got sick. And oh, she, yeah? Yeah, and she lost her voice. And uh, it's, she, she uh, uh, told um, Chloe, the six-year-old, mm-hmm. that she had laryngitis. And then Chloe came to me and said, she has, Lisa has laryngitis. <laughs> that's great <laughs> they're always coming up with good ones like kids say the darndest things like when they we first met them and they started coming over the house they came in the house and we have all the dogs and it stinks like dogs and and chloe said smells like a reindeer in here <laughs> a reindeer <laughs> who would even say that yeah she must have Visit, visited some reindeer or something at a petting zoo, and that was the first thing that came to mind. Hold on, I gotta let this dog out. He's whining. Dog. Yeah. Can't decide if he wants in or out. No. Come on. Lisa's laying down, so he's gonna whine at the door. Yeah, he does that all the time. It seems like with all the doors, because whenever I'm at your place, he's standing outside your studio door whining, and then we let him in, and then he stands on the inside of the door and whines, and then we let him out, and then he stands on the outside. He's really annoying. He'll sit on the couch, and I'll be in the studio with the door open, and he'll go, hmm, hmm. He's like, pay attention to me. Yeah, until I go and, and pet him. Until yeah. he, he wants me to pet him all until he falls asleep. It's terrible. Right. Spoil it. <clears throat> speaking of Lisa, I saw that Lisa got on Instagram. Oh, yeah. What did she, she get? She got on there just to um, see Sydney. Sydney has a page. Sydney is the puppy that Cell um, brings over when she comes over to help. Uh, and so her daughter, it's her daughter's dog. She made up uh-huh. an Instagram account for Sydney the dog. Gotcha. <laughs> so she just she only joined just so she could see the pictures. 
She well, never, she's she, got a follower because it always tells me your Facebook friend so and so is funny. I better follow her. I've followed her before her husband. <laughs> <laughs> she's never on her phone. She never uses her phone. She's not into cell phones at all. Yeah, yeah. So she's never going to use it except to look at things. Yeah. Well, I just, me. you know, it's, it's one of those things you see somebody that you know get on there and you're like, oh, I should follow them. Yeah. Well, prepared to see nothing. Yeah. Well, there was no, there was no profile image. So. <laughs> and her Facebook profile image, I think is the same one that I've seen for the past six years. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's ever, ever changed. Yeah. She doesn't post a lot of pictures really. No, but she goes through and she likes stuff cause she likes some of the stuff I post. Yeah, definitely. She's very supportive. All well, right, let's should we get on with the topic. Yes. You introduce it cause it was your idea. Hey, 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 ho. <laughs> so the big idea, <laughs> <laughs> give us your big idea. My big idea is that the one thing that we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about on this particular podcast that is integral to this whole thing that we're doing. And that is the idea itself. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about technical stuff. We talk about mediums. We talk about galleries. We talk about art movements. We talk with artists, you know, but one of the things that we really haven't spent much time covering is the actual idea itself. You know, I mean, without the idea, there wouldn't be the painting. There wouldn't be the film. There wouldn't be the sculpture. There wouldn't be the books. So, you know, the idea is kind of when, you know, I, f- I feel like anyway, when you and I have talked about that, you know, worshiping the art, God and and making sure that you're you are honoring the art God. What we're talking about really is the idea, you know, because mm-hmm. the idea in each case is kind of the art God of that particular thing you're working on, you know. Yeah, the idea is like it. The idea is yeah. the most important part, really. If you ha- you can and and it's funny because it's a you know it's kind of a two way street too because in regards to art, you got the idea and then you've got the execution of the idea to express the idea mm-hmm. and so that's why you have to be technically sound at what however you're expressing your idea so that you can properly express the idea but the idea comes first you know the idea is yeah. the even if that idea is i'm gonna just you know throw a bunch of stuff on a canvas and just make it up as i go you know and have it be this intuitive weird thing that's still mm-hmm. like the idea from where it starts oops Right. Well, and interestingly, on our most recent episode, when we talked with not actually, it was two episodes ago, I take that back. But on one of our more recent episodes with with Sean Koss, one of the things that was interesting that you noted a couple of times was and I think also that he noted was that, you know, he had some he had some really good ideas and Mm -hmm. that those ideas really, you know, were the most important thing to the success of what it was that he was doing. You know, the idea to do a mental illness, you know, ink month. Right. That's such a great idea. And that's what we you know, we talked a lot about that on that episode. And of course, I won't rehash it too much because if you haven't heard it, you should go back and listen to it. Um, But again, I think that that's, you know, when when we were having that interview, that's really when it dawned on me. I was like, you know, we've talked about our inspirations. We've talked even a little bit about where we even get our ideas, but we haven't really talked about the holy idea, you know, the thing where which all of this stuff comes from, because I like I think you make a good point, you know, the idea 
is this thing and it is immaterial right. it's something that it exists and is invisible ultimately and then you have to translate that with whatever your resources and your mediums are you know into this other thing and so a lot of the time i don't know about you but when i get specific ideas they come along with a specific medium so like i'll mm-hmm. have a film idea or i'll have a novel idea or I'll have right. a sculpture idea, you know? So they're already kind of paired with how it is that I would manifest it. But, I, you know, it's never a complete picture in my mind, you know? And I, I think more recently, again, I mentioned uh, on, I think, the pre-roll uh, about the kinetic, this magnetic sculpture that I'm working on that's also a ward. And that was just an idea. I was laying down, a, you know, getting ready to go to sleep. And this is for me some of the time where I'll, I'll get some ideas. And I was in kind of a weird hypnagogic state where I was like a little bit awake, a little bit asleep, and just kind of going through the weird mind meld that happens. And all of a sudden, I saw one of those little like glass clock dome looking things, and it had this fi- this uh, ferrous iron ore that I had trolled out of the river down here with a rare earth magnet in it. And that was really all I could see was just that. And there was a magnet on an armature that was spinning around it, and it was causing all of those filaments to attach to the glass wall and go around in the, these patterns. That was all I could see. And I was like, whoa, what a, you know, what a cool idea. How fun mm-hmm. would that be to make or to have? And, you know, how magical too. And so, you know, now, of course, I've said about making it and the translation is all is kind of where the idea almost manifests itself because you have these limitations based on your resources. You know what I mean? Like, well, how am I going to make a wheel that spins? How am I going to get the bearings? What kind of a base is it going to have? I couldn't see what base it had. It was just this thing. How am I going to make it work basically, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I have to translate that. And to me, that's kind of the magical part, the process part where the, the, it's the collision of, of what's available and this idea coming together through this, this, form of you working with it and it working with you. And then it manifests in sometimes yeah. surprising ways. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the magic of art making is that you, you, you have the idea and you physically bring it into being, you know, through your skill. Right. And that's, that's the magic. You've taken something that came from nothing, your mind, who knows where it came from, a dream, a thought. And it's like, there's no way to really trace back, you know, where it came from. You may have, you know, like thoughts are, are, uh, you know, constantly building on the next, the, the, your train of thought throughout the day is just one thing is leading to another. And then experience right. that pops up causes another thought, which leads. So it's like, there's no way to really trace it back. I suppose, unless it's just, there's some huge event that gives you an idea, you know? Well, or like, or like for instance, when I've, I've mentioned before, and I mentioned this on the inspiration episode, when, when I had the idea for the documentary about you, right. I can definitely trace it to a very specific right, dream. Right. And in the dream, the thing was happening, but here, here's where it gets back into the realm of what you're talking about. You know, my mind, did my mind manifest this dream, which led me to have the thought to do it? Or was it that I was able to recall the dream in such a way? Or was it that I would even think to myself, well, because I had this dream, I should make a movie about this person. You know what I mean? So you get into this quagmire where it's kind of like, you can't really separate the wheat from the chaff anymore. You know, it's like, it's kind of like I, on that, uh, that, that great, 
uh, documentary I was talking about with you that uh, Jim Carrey plays Andy Kaufman. I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of, of it. The documentary that was about it, and he's talking about, you know, d- am I th- am I thirsty? So I reach over and grab the right. water, or does the water, you know, want to go in my mouth? And so I reach over and grab right. the, you know, like how can you differentiate between the one and the other? And the same thing goes for that, where it's like I know I had a dream, but but my involvement in recollecting that dream ultimately led me to the conclusion that I should make the the movie or did I just wake up and automatically feel like, Oh, I should reach out to Chet and see about making right. this movie about it. There's no way to know. Yeah, you know, I can't, yeah. I can't really say, I can say that there's a point of reference, but that's about it. Yeah. I, 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 my ideas, um, yeah, you, you get a lot of ideas from dreams. It's, you know, that's like a common knowledge at this point. And, uh, <clears throat> I get weird thoughts in dreams. A lot of times I'll get ideas and then, and then I think about them like they seem great in the dream. And then I'm like, I write them, happen to write them down. And then the, the next morning I'm like, this is so stupid. It seemed great in the dream. But, uh, yeah, like, yeah. like that one, I think I told you about where I was half asleep and I said his, his fingers had. Remember oh, it was yeah. like a quote? Make agreement with one another. Yeah, he had, his, fingers make agreements with one another. His fingers had had an his fingers had agreements with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like when I was half asleep, I was like, oh, that's so cool. And it's still kind of cool because it's bizarre. But uh yeah, it's, I woke up it's very like, what surreal. The fuck does that mean? But um, you know, I I find a lot of um ideas come for me out of nowhere, you know, just like when I'm not expecting it. Mm-hmm. It just kind of comes in or I see something um, that reminds me of something or I see something wrong. A lot of times I'll see like a face in a tree or something, or I'll see something out of the corner of my eye that looks creepy. And I'm like, Oh, that gives me an idea for a, you know, some kind of painting. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I find that uh, meditating kind of helps too. When you're, I think the more clear you are, the more open you are to ideas. That's sure, why the med- sure. meditation is a good discipline because you're, it's hard to, I think, hold on to the idea or even let the idea in when your mind is chaotic and cluttered, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like having, you know, to, to use a cliche phrase, like having the horse blinders on, right. you know, because you can't be open to new information if you're not even really able to handle what you're dealing with at the moment, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So <clears throat> that's kind of a big one for me is quieting your mind, but you know, and I, and I have to preface this with saying, I know that not all drugs are good. There's some drugs you should never use. Not all people should use any drugs. A lot, a lot of people have addiction issues and they can't use drugs. Um, but it, it, it has to be said because it's true. It's the truth. And, um, uh, weed is a pretty good idea machine. Oh yeah. You know, and, and as well as psychedelics, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's just a fact. Um, I think, I think mainly though, at least from my own experience now, of course, we all know that we have, we all have these, uh, you know, subjective experiences of the world, of course. And we right. don't really know that what other people are experiencing are the same as ours. But, you know, for me, I feel like the reason that that is the case, and I agree with you, at least for myself, is because it actually, for me, it slows down the way I perceive time. I I wouldn't go, I'm not trying to say it slows time down, but rather it slows down my perception of the passage of time. And what that ultimately does is allow me to be more here and now, more present. And relaxed. 
Yeah, and the more present minded I am, the more open I can be to you know that collective unconscious of material that's just there. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're off in your head thinking about all the shit you got to do in a couple days, and a couple hours, and next week, and then you're also busy thinking, oh God, but what about yesterday? And I wonder how that's going to affect the thing in the future. You know, there's no time to really be here where all of that that kind of unconscious material mm-hmm. is. You know, in that present moment, and meditation, like you said, is also one of those things. For me, see, the going to sleep process is my meditation mm-hmm. because I do, you know, this meditative process as I'm going into the sleep uh, world, you know, and you know this now because you've listened to emails from infinity and I talk a lot about it in there. But for me, it's, that is my meditative state. And that's why it's kind of, they even call it in, in psychology, a hypnagogic state because yeah. you are in a quasi wakeful, restful state and almost asleep, you know? Yeah. And again, I'm not, when I'm in that space, I'm not thinking about bills and thinking about things I need to do and people I talk to and what happened in the past or any of that. I'm, I'm most certainly not, you know? And so again, I think you're right, but I, I guess to get back to the point when it comes to like inebriance of whatever type, I think that just like in a meditative state, what it's doing is heralding a, a sense of nowness. And so whatever a person can do <clears throat> to herald that sense of nowness for themselves, yeah, gonna help they're going to be more yeah. open to, yeah, getting those those ideas. Because I know I don't feel like I own any of the ideas I get. Like, I don't feel like I came up with any of it. It feels magic. It feels like yeah. kind of like when I, um, I'm poking in the Badlands and I find some crystal or I find some, you know, turquoise or, or a meteorite. I'm like, whoa, you know, I didn't find it is in how I mean I did but at the same time it kind of found me too and how can you differentiate between those two things and that's how ideas are it's like it's like this little sparkling gem you discovered yeah yeah I want to like give this to the world you know yeah they're they're you know I think it was David Lynch maybe you said that there are you know out ideas are just floating around out there and it's you just you grab them if your mind is clear and whoever puts it forth first gets the credit but a lot of people are having similar ideas I, I the 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 one of the I got two, you know, two really um, significant idea th- things that happened to me. And one was, I've said it before, the black magic mm-hmm. um, where I was just, just a flash out of nowhere in my head, the finished painting of black magic, which has ended up being like my, my main character, my most significant character in my universe. And then the other one was for the ego death show, which I've also talked about where I <clears throat> took mushrooms with the um, intent of coming up with an, idea for the show and um it just popped in my head ego death just out of nowhere i was like okay i got out i started tripping and i'm like calm down like okay okay what's the idea for the show ego death it came like that fast like i could barely mm-hmm. get the thought out and it popped in and it really 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 felt my mind was totally empty and it just came in out of nowhere and that's the the mystery you know that's mm-hmm. the ma- that is the magic yeah. And and that's yeah. and the, and it's you know it's not a drug thing or whatever it, it it was that was what got me in that state of mind to be able to be mm-hmm. open to that. And sure. It could be meditation, it could be whatever, it could be having fun and doing what you love or whatever, but um it I was in that freed up state of mind and it just came out of nowhere. It, yeah, it, it came out of nowhere. It was just really crazy and it was like words and I I saw the words and I almost kind of heard it in my internal mm-hmm. mind mm-hmm. and it was uh those are probably the most, I don't know, kind of freaky ones for me. Cause it just yeah. literally, I can't think of, it just came from nowhere. It was really bizarre. Really. It felt like someone was telling it to me. Right. Both, right. Both like times. it came from outside. Yeah. Of you. Re- yeah. It really did. But it, but I know it didn't, it came from inside of me, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, we're not used to, I think the kind of Western 
way of thinking about the self and spirituality. It's always like spirituality is out there. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. Yeah. It's in. It's it's the other way. <laughs> right. You know? Right. It's inside. Yeah, we have we have universes within galaxies within universes inside of us, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not about I don't think it's about going out into space. It's about going in. Cuz yeah. you you can go infinitely in as well, you know. Yeah. And that, that's kind of where it's at, I think. Well, I mean, it's it's our own little when you think about like the earth, for instance, you know, the earth has a membrane effectively around it that really doesn't allow a whole lot in and out. You know, yeah, that's really very similar to our skin. I mean, you know, we have these openings, but mostly our skin keeps most things out and most things in. You know, the earth has an right. atmosphere and that <clears throat> atmospheric skin is a whole not a whole lot different. And within it is this whole ecosystem, multiple ecosystems that are all operating within a closed container, within a closed system, ultimately. I mean, like I said, some things can get in and out, right. but for the most part, and when you think about our body, it's very similar, you know, it's a closed system. And so, and you got to think about when you look microscopically within us, you know, how many of the things within us look the same as macroscopic views in outer space, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's pretty clear right away that, you know, what's going on inside is not any different, in fact, than what's going on outside that it's right. one and the same yeah, so yeah, yeah but we only have this container that we're in it's this you know soup of human so it's like you know why would you want to why would you need to go anywhere else if you've already got the soup in you you know right right yeah i that's i mean i would prefer to see all i mean all the space travel and stuff is cool and everything but i would I imagine the resources that nasa has uh, put towards inner development and going within going, you know, Oh my God, that would be the thing that probably saves the world. It saves humanity. See, there's an interesting idea right there. <laughs> Speaking of ideas. And actually that leads me to a good point that I was going to make, which is that I find for myself that a lot of really interesting ideas come out of conversation. Mm -hmm. Cause like I, I remember driving back from, I can't remember which one it was. I think it might've been a, uh, when we came back from Son of Monster Palooza, when I Like to Paint Monsters was airing out there, and Joy and I had come up, and we were on our way back. And I remember we were driving along, and I came up with this amazing script idea that was also like a – and I remember I told you about it, and it had to do with uh, with uh, a serial killer right, and, a, right. and a Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, It's so good. You know, it's yeah. just it's such a – it's the whole thing, and it's not just like – the story itself, which is really good, but the whole structure, the whole model is, you know, the device, basically. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not been used yet, so it's really fascinating, and it's like, how cool is that? You know, and it wasn't me that did it, and it wasn't really Joy that well, did it. We were just talking, and yeah. we were driving, and we were pointing out different things in the conversation, you know, on a 15 hour drive, man, it rolls. And so, and then, you know, yeah. you're talking about something for three hours and all of a sudden you're like, dude, that would make a cool, you know, someone says that that would make a cool something or yeah, other. Yeah. And then the other person's like, Oh yeah, would, wouldn't it? And well, you that's, start like, going off. that's the same thing as, uh, that, that brings a great point too, because that's what the whole thing about Sean Koss's idea for the uh, mental illness series was someone recommended it to him. Someone made mm -hmm. a suggestion, one of his fans. And so, they come from without and from within too, really, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, there's maybe two different kinds, but you have to be there to you and you have to be there and aware to see the idea when, if it's suggested to you, you know, it's like the, well, the Patreon thing to me, it was suggested to me over and over and over until I kind of could see that it would work. I was, I wasn't open to what an amazing, huge, big thing this can be. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing I think, again, we get back to is that it's a matter of openness. And, you know, whatever puts you in that space, it's like just like, uh, you know, going on a long car ride with somebody where you've been driving long enough that your creature comforts are taken care of and you're not you know, you're not going to be where you're going for a long time. So there's Mm -hmm. really, you know, you're not going to grind on things that you can't control. And you really get into a more open space. And for me, driving is definitely, uh, you know, I, I like to take regular drives just to get away and get into that now space same thing with hiking for me and also very much with labor like i like to go out and do really hard labor because it ultimately preoccupies my conscious mind i I can't when you're busting your ass working on something especially if it's something fun that you want to be working on like i'm out here working on the grounds so that we have this nice campground area and this kiva and this fire pit and all these things for having you know people come out for land of enchantment tours that's fun i like it but it you know i'm busting my ass my hands are covered in posters shoulders are screaming you know but the thing is is that i I start getting these great ideas start popping through because i'm so preoccupied that I, I can't think about anything else. You it's know? the yeah, it's the meditation thing. It really is about so 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 I guess what we've learned so far, because I haven't thought really about this until we start talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that ideas are potentially everywhere around you and everywhere within you, and it's more a matter of getting your mind in the place to be open to it, whether that be anything, whatever, whatever gets your mind in that state of mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the problem with relying on, uh, drugs to get your ideas, you know, that's kind of gives you the potential for drug abuse, which is why you, I don't think you should rely on that as, as your primary way of doing it, which is how people become, you know, one of the ways that writers become hardcore alcoholics and people get addicted to drugs is because they, you know, that's just one way. <clears throat> that's one well, way. Well, and, and, and really what you're talking about in that way is that, that you know, for some people that becomes the, the drug or the alcohol becomes the muse. I right. mean, really, that's kind of what you're talking about there. Like when I think about like Stephen King, some of the stuff that he wrote about that he went through during like writing Tommyknocker and stuff. And he's like super addicted to cocaine and super alcoholic and mm-hmm. just like bleeding out his nose and stuff, you know. Right. And, and the thing is, is that it, at that point in time that – those those substances they were behaving as his muse you know and there are healthy muses and unhealthy muses you know and that's kind of that funny thing when it comes to the idea because it's like the muse you know in history anyway is kind of the doorway to the idea or the spark of inspiration that might allow for an idea and that muse could be anything you know but what we're talking about right now is the muse of meditation to whatever degree Mm -hmm. or being present and being here and now open you know yeah yeah, I, I think, um, and I, we've covered this in the inspiration episode too, but I get ideas from seeing other great ideas, like great ideas um, of artwork, especially expressed through artwork, really inspire me. Music, musical ideas, you know, when I see a great piece of, hear a great piece of music and I just go, oh my God, that's such a great idea for a song. It just spurs me on not to imitate it, um, but just gets the juices flowing to where I'm, st- I just feel that feeling. Cause a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, the creative spark with me is, is getting that feeling, you know? And I guess that's inspiration. The feeling is more inspiration and the sure, idea is sure. the idea, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think, I mean, that's fun to think about and to try to like separate those out. Like, well, what's the muse and what's the inspiration, you know, what's the idea versus, cause it's like, 
you know, I, I get inspired by lots of things, like you said, where I'll listen to something or watch something and just be like, oh my gosh, that really makes me want to go do my thing, you know? And, and so, but that again, also, like you said, is almost more the inspiration to get into a space to receive the idea, you know, because for you, you go in your studio and you start noodling around on a sketch or on a painting and the idea starts, is almost like running in tandem with the process where you Mm -hmm. are creating this thing that's this idea because like you said most of the time it's not the big idea for you like the black magic you know what i mean most of the time or the ego death most of the time it's like you sit down and you start doing the processes and that gets you into a meditative state and then while you're in that meditative meditative state you're able to be a conduit for the idea better you know i mean that's what it seems like strikes strikes me as yeah i i think that that's true and i think also the way i do it is I'll start sketching or painting, you know, cause I do these little prep studies first now. And, um, that's where I kind of get the ideas out and I'll just start noodling around, get in that clear state of mind. And, um, I, I, my mind is empty and I'm aware of what I'm doing. I mean, not really, it's hard to explain. I'm not really, um, uh, forcing anything or trying to do anything, but I'm like watching what I'm doing. You know, it's like, I'm watching it mm-hmm. and looking for cool things mm-hmm, that, that, mm-hmm. that are cool. So, cause I, so I might do like a little, just do a sketch, not thinking uh, my mind's empty. And sometimes I have like the TV on or, or music on or a movie on. And that kind mm-hmm. of occupies that part of my mind in a weird way. Mm-hmm, I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily work for everyone. Like I can't, if I'm trying to write something, I can't listen to music or anything sure. with words or it'll completely screw me up. But sure. with, you know, with drawing, it's so visual. I can listen to things and I'll see a little something in the drawing that looks, uh, that goes, I go, Oh, that's a cool idea. Like maybe the way this guy's head is turned and that's it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like the way the guy's mm-hmm. head's turned. And then I'll start to develop that further. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, it, you know, once I get to that stage, there's, there's even a point what's cool about when you have your voice as an artist developed, you have like a a bag of tricks that you can, you know, you've got your things that you know, that you love like third eyes Mm -hmm. and skulls and blah, blah, whatever, you know, whatever it is for you. And so you can, you know, you might see this cool figure and you love the way the pose is, but you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have the, the character of the guy in his face. And so you could kind of run through your things that you know, you love because mm-hmm. they're all kind of cataloged in your mind and in, in your past work. So you can be like, Oh, okay. So should he have like a, could she be one of those Cyclops guys or is he bald or does he have that cropped haircut? I like that crew cut thing <laughs> or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and you can start trying different things out. And that's sort of the, the creative process for me, you know, right. That's where the magic starts happening. Yeah. Cause you're like combining these things and, and it's, if, if you, um, you know, and, and it's cool to have your own back backlog of, of, um, I got I can't think of a good word for them for these little things, you know, like your thing, thumbnails. Yeah. Just the idea, the various ideas that you have that, that you, you know, repeated themes in your work, you kind of have them stored mm-hmm. away. I don't know. There's just, your iconography, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If you have that and it's all a kind of original stuff, you know, original to you, then, then you can like start plugging things in and it's like a Mr. Potato head kind of thing, 
you know, mm-hmm, and you can put, mm-hmm. I'll put eyes. I remember I did eyes like this. I really liked They're kind of slanted this certain way. And I remember, you know, these guys with no lips and skull teeth and, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of start plugging it in and it's super fun and creative, you know, and just trying different you, things. <clears throat> but when you backtrack out of that, what you said is basically that you're just kind of getting yourself present, allowing yourself to just be open to the process that for the next period of time, all I really am doing is just drawing right now. That's mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything else. I'm not basically to whatever degree, you know, you kind of have this process of there being an on and off switch. And right. so you're like, okay, the, the worry, the worry switch is on off now and the creative switch is on on. And so now you're in this space where you're open and you're receptive and you start just messing around, which I would call intuition. You're intuitively just yeah. doing what you do. And then you see something that gives you an idea. Right. And that's that's the moment. That's really the, the moment. Because even though right, right. the title of this is the big idea, what we're talking about is the idea, ideas. Yeah. And so, you know, even if it's not like the ego death idea, still when that process is, is occurring on a microcosmic level, just like on the ego death, you had this really profound experience where you took this, you know, uh, entheogen and then you, you know, had this amazing idea. But that's rare, into, though. Right, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's the what rare. I'm saying. So then, getting into a space that's that's similar without having to do that, mm-hmm. because you've you've decided to turn your worry switch off and your creative switch on and devote that time to it, you were then open to one of myriad ideas, and it manifested through the intuitive play of yep. your own proclivities and the the resources, the graphite and the paper. So that's that kind of magic moment, because even after that, you know, once you start to go into the stages of like, you know, well. I might do this or I might do that. That's really getting in again to that, the magic process stage, that mm-hmm. stage of like, cause like for me with warts, it's funny. I'll, I'll look at this pile of, you know, minerals and rocks and all these really cool little supplies I have laying around and I'll look at a piece of quartz and I'll be like, I'm going to wrap that. And I have a, I have, you know, I'm going to start wrapping that. And the thing is, is that there's always an idea in the beginning. Like I look at it and I'm like, I could, I see it a certain way. I right. just like, Oh, that's how it would look. But then as I start to go in after the idea has, has passed and I start actually applying my fingers to it, all of a sudden I notice these really interesting fissures up the side of the crystal and these edges yeah. and these lines. And I'm like, ooh, the, the silver wire really sits nice in right. there. Right. And so that leads you to I, yeah, yeah, it leads totally. you to By develop it. To, yeah. mm-hmm, so now instead of it being like originally I was thinking, oh, it's gonna be a spiral wrap. It's totally not a spiral wrap because the wire felt like it needed to go into these grooves right. because that's what felt right. And so again, that's that for me, that's that magical process part. And for me also, when I'm doing ward work, I, it's very intentional because I make, I am making these things that I am putting my intent into that I'm putting my belief into, and that I'm putting this magic energy into of protection or prosperity or whatever. And so when I'm doing that, I have to be in the space to be doing that. I can't just do that hilly nilly like, Oh, well, I think I'll just sit down and make a ward, even though I'm stressed out. No, it doesn't work that way because I have to actually, I'm committed to doing this work the way that this ritual art, you know? And so, uh, you know, it's, that's the fun thing for me is that there's an idea from looking at the things sitting on my desk and then I sit down and it does whatever the heck it's going to do. And the Mm -hmm. whole time I'm just concentrating on whatever it is that I'm making, whether it's protection or, you know, it's love or it's, conjuring or, you know, it's retraction or whatever that I'm, I'm just focusing on that while I do it and kind of allowing those minerals and those, those resources to, you know, tell me where to put them and right. what to do. 
them and kind of going with it and just rolling with it. Yeah, absolutely. The idea is the weird thing because I can't say exactly how these ideas happen because I'm looking at it and all of a sudden I'm just struck with something like that piece. That's the piece. And and it and it's gonna have these things with it, and it'll be that way. Right. And that's you know. But then of course it never when I'm done is anything like the idea. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the interesting part right there to me is that rarely are they anything like the idea. I mean well, you know most yeah. of the ideas I've had they were amazing ideas, big and small. But the outcome of the process is very rarely reflective of the original idea. Right. Well, that's the thing is you start out with the first idea and then you are constantly led on by these little mini ideas as you're going. And and if you're open to it, if you're not open to it, it could really be a frustrating experience because you're like, you know, I got to make it this way. This is how I originally saw it. And you're going to force all these things to go a certain way when it doesn't feel like it doesn't want to go that way necessarily. But if you're open to it, I think that's where the best ideas come from is when you're open to that kind of subconscious intuitive way of creating. Cause like you're saying, you see that the, the wire will settle in this spot. That is the magic, you know, that, I mean, that's part of the magic too. It's like, you've got your big idea to start with. And then you've got these little ideas as it goes that, what you're creating is giving you another idea and then you do that mm-hmm. idea and that gives you another idea and then you do that idea and that idea gives you another idea. And it's just right, like this right. kind of leapfrogging along until you have this piece that you're like, Oh, this is great. And I, mm-hmm. I love that about art and creativity. And that's the kind of the most fun for me is when you have the piece that is totally different than when you're originally thinking. I mean, it's yeah, kind of, yeah. the black magic thing was cool, but it was like, I had the flash and all I had to do was paint it as I saw it in my head. And it's almost like working from, from a picture, which is fine and all fine and well, but I prefer not knowing what it's going to be in the end, you know, Mm -hmm. and letting in, it's like this trust thing. You have to really put your trust in this part of yourself that is, you know, kind of the spiritual part of yourself or this, it's an, it's like, you have to trust your unconscious. You have to trust your intuition basically. Yeah. You yeah, know, absolutely. you have to trust that it's going to lead you in, in a pl- place that you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that there's a lot of, there are a lot of techniques to foster, a, you know, a, a clean pathway to intuition as well. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you can trust your intuition if you're into, I mean, we're all, yeah, if your intuition let, let is correct, for all, <laughs> for all of us, what, what, the way that most humans interact with the world is you got to see it to believe it. You know, what is, what is evidenced by our experience is going to predicate what happens later. So if you have followed your quote intuition and it's not led you well, well, then you're less likely to, you know, follow it in the future or trust it. And so I think it's vastly important that people get clear and, you know, in that process of getting clear, get themselves, and I don't mean clear in a Scientology way, uh, <laughs> you know, that people are able to, you know, or if, unless that works for you, um, get to, a, a you know, a state to open themselves up to try their intuition first. And then once you've tried it, it and it leads you well, then you can trust it better. And so it's a relationship that you're building with this thing that you really can't define. Yeah. And, that, you know, the other uh, tricky part, I think, and getting uh, that goes along with getting to know your intuition to where you can trust it. It's almost it is. It's like a relationship with a person. You have to figure out what it is and 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 you know. Okay, here's what I'm trying to say. I got the 125 milligram caffeine water starting to kick in. Um, so I'm starting to. Blah, 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 blah. 
uh, you have to tell, be able to tell the difference between intuition and fear, like intuition sure. and ego, basically, because, sure. you know, you could be having, you're going to be having all kinds of thoughts come in your head, ideas about how to proceed with this work. And, you know, it might seem like your intuition, but it's actually your own ego. If you're kind of unconscious of these ish, maybe ego issues you have or fear or whatever, you might be yes. thinking, oh, I got to go this way because this won't sell. If I, if I do this other thing, it might not sell. It yeah, might not totally. sell or I've never done this before and it's going to be uncomfortable. So, you you know, you have to really be honest with yourself. I guess that's part yes. of part of being in the in that uh, healthy mental headspace is that to be able sure. to to differentiate differentiate between thoughts and fear and ego and intuition because they're kind of different very very, very different. different kind of yeah, different more, understatement and i think you're i think that's such a good point is that you do as you build these relationships with them you get to know them and then that helps you to have guideposts to be able to differentiate further between them because the thing is is that the more i've utilized and grown a relationship with my intuition and the more it has provided me those successes the more i'm able to understand it i know it better it's like i know its face i know its eye mm -hmm. color i know what clothes it wears you know and the thing is is that that helps me then to be able to know when oh wait this is fear this right. isn't my intuition yeah. this is something else because it doesn't actually smell like in intuition and it doesn't walk like intuition you know right. so it's probably not and i think that that again is is very much this relationship of getting to know yourself i mean really mm -hmm. what we're coming back down to i guess with all of this is a clean path to strong ideas and how to carry them out properly seeing as ideas piggyback off ideas piggybacking off ideas is to have a clean path to your intuition and to be able to know when it is intuition versus anything else that it could possibly be, you know, or even just knowing you have it. I mean, a lot of people I do believe go through the world, not even really feeling like they have intuition. Right. And it's not like it's something that's going to strike you all of a sudden. It's something you, it's a relationship you have to build and nurture Cultiv and grow. And maintain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. See, I just did this. He's sketching while we're talking. I was wondering what you were up to. And that was completely unconscious. I wasn't thinking about it. That's just what came out. And it was uh, a lot of times I will wait, get. Wait, hold it up one more time. Hold it up one more time. Oh, good idea. Yeah, hold it up. Because I want to. Here, I'll get... How about that? Got it. <laughs> um, I had to take a picture of it so that we can <laughs> uh, we can share it with uh, with the patrons. Yes, it's nothing fancy, but it was you know it is a doodle that that I was doing uh, while we were talking, and that that's another technique. I guess we, you know there's a lot of different techniques that are going to work better for different people, and one of the, one of the techniques that works well for me, especially for this really um, Tommy Lee Wentner, he he always refers to it as automatic drawing, and I know that's yeah something I'd never heard about that. I've really? never heard, I've never heard it put that way until he said huh. it that way. I know what of what it is, of course, but I but never thought like, about not it. Not like children of the corn sense of it, where you're like the kids asleep and their hands like no, drawing. No, no, no. Well, but, you know, I've heard like, of when I was in psychology, I've, they talked a lot about automatic drawing and and also in art school. So I I had a, a foothold for it. Right. So I, I've, I've heard of you didn't. I've heard of automatic writing, but I never thought about automatic drawing like that. But it's makes total sense. But anyway, um. When, uh, one, one technique that works well for me is when I'm talking to someone I want to talk to on the phone, mm -hmm. like we're chatting on the phone, I'll doodle or, you know, if it's just me kind too. of not super intense, maybe. I'll show talk. you what I did. If you want to see what I was doing while we were. See, it's not like, 
you know, it's not it's not like anything interesting or, you know, but it's again, it's just happening. It's happening while I'm talking. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know what it's about. I don't have any, you know, <laughs> it's cool. It's like a yeah, little, little gizmo. I have a you and I both have these little our little pen stations over here. <laughs> I've got my two. I've got my two uh, my days in pens because nice. these are my favorite favorite. Really? Well, actually, they're not as good as Double Tree. I love hotel pens, dude, for drawing. Like these are my any kind of hotel pen. You know, like crappy hotel pens. I I, I I get it, but I'm going to tell you the best ballpoint pen right now. Double double trees are absolutely my favorite. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, paper mate. I, I see your paper mate. But Pro, the problem, wait a minute. Me, Pro file profile. You're paper not mate, you're not left handed, right? Yeah. Are no, you? No, I'm right handed. Okay. Well, I have this problem, and I don't know if other left handed people have this problem. You can comment on this if you do. Anybody out there that, that's left handed, but um. I break pens. Like there are certain kinds of, I can only really write with certain kinds of pens. And it's, I don't know if it's because the angle that we hold the pen at being left-handed or the way that we orient with the paper and the countertop, because everything's really How geared break to right-handed people. Well, here's what I mean is like, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll get a brand new pen and uh -huh. I'll start writing with it. And if it's not the right kind, it'll just stop, ink will just stop coming out of it. Oh, weird. And I'll, then I'll give it to somebody who's a right-handed person and it'll be fucked up for them huh. too. The, the pen will never work again. I don't know what it is that I do to the pen that's wrong in the way that I hold it, but <laughs> these these crappy hotel yeah, pens. Yeah, hotel pens are, are great. They are great. For me because of my yeah. left-handed uh, difficulties. But the, well, I want to mention in so far as ideas, not to get too far off yeah, the track here. That was a uh, tangent. That's a, kind major, of a strange tangent. Major tangent. But... Um, you know, I, for me, big ideas, you know, aren't, don't happen that often. Yeah. And if they do a lot of them, I'm not able to actually manifest. And so there, it's a little, you feel a little stymied because you'll have this really amazing idea, but you may not actually have any of the technical resources yeah. or, you know, a network of people that could help you to actually develop whatever it is that you had the idea for. And so it's kind of like, yeah, so you know, the thing that's exciting is when you have a big idea that you can manifest and actualize, right? Mm -hmm. Like for you, you know, black magic, that's exciting because it's this big idea, ego death, it's this big idea, and then you could just do it and it can happen, you know? And I've had a lot of ideas where I just couldn't, I couldn't just do them and they couldn't just happen. And then I've had ones that I was able to do, you know, like the documentary, that was a, an amazing idea, came from a dream, took me four years to do it, but I was able to do it, right. you know? And another one for me that, you know, I wanted to mention is my game sixes, because that was one of those that to me was almost like kind of how you're talking about um, uh, the the uh, black magic feeling where I was having this dream and it was super lucid and super vivid. Like I was, you know, conscious of myself, quite aware of myself in this dream and aware of my decisions. And but the setting around me, I had no control over. Like it wasn't like I, I had like decided where I was or what I, where I, I was like involved in a pre-existing drama. Basically, it was all. It's almost kind of like for me in dreaming. It's almost like waking up in the morning. Like I wake up in a dream, and everything that's happening is already happening. But the only thing that's changed is I'm aware of right. myself in the dream, and I'm like, oh shit, this is you know I'm I'm dreaming, and I was like, oh yeah, right. And I, we were playing this game and it was amazing and it was called Sixes. And I was like, well, actually in the dream at the time, it wasn't called Sixes. I'm calling it Sixes What was now. it called in the dream? It, there was no name. Uh, it was just, we were just playing it. That was the whole thing was we were just playing this game, you know? 
And it was the model of the game that was so fascinating. It wasn't like I could remember, like I just mentioned, the name or the way the layout looked or any of that. But it was the 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 model of the game because you know games are all based on the model. It's like blackjack is based on a, car, a deck of cards. Right. You know, craps is based on dice. You know, and this game, the model of it, I know because I've been in the casino industry for a long time, or had been specifically at the time, has never been done before. Now, has it been thought of? Oh, I'm sure people have. I mean, I, I guess I'm sure I can't believe that I would be the only person to think of it. I'm sure someone else has thought of some variation, of right. it, but it's not been done. And I and I woke up like fevered because I woke myself up from the dream because I didn't want to forget because oh, wow. I was like because I was having this, you know, I was like, dude, this is such a good this is like the million. This is the big idea. Right. You know? Like, oh, my this is it. And so. And inf I was influenced at the time because we were working at card rooms where there was a guy who had had a game made and it was a really lucrative game for him. Uh. And he was a consultant of one of the card rooms we worked at and he had come up with this. It's actually called Lucky Ladies. And anyone out there who's played Lucky Ladies, yeah, we knew the guy who developed it. Yeah. And so I think in my head, in the back of my head, and maybe that's the, the part about being open, right? I was more open to the potential of this idea I had for a game maybe that was already lurking in my intuition or close to me on the apple tree of the unconscious, you know, and I was open to it because I saw that, oh, hey, people do this. It's possible. You can have this idea and it could, you know, right. so who knows? But one way or another, I woke myself up and was like, oh, this is so cool. And I just immediately started like writing it down. What's this, you know, what was the base idea of it? And then the next night I already had like drawn up, you know, drawn up a, a mock-up and then I got my brother-in-law, my sister and joy. And we all sat down together and we all like tried to play it. Uh -huh. And then as we were doing that, of course, the, you know, the creative magical part comes in and we started to feel, well, this, you know, this would be cool if we did this, you right. could add, this, take this out. And so, you know, it's since developed and now it's something that I'm working, I, I've worked really hard on. I've created full mock-ups of, I've done right. all the you know games and rules. But the thing is, is it was one of those ideas where it was like, this has so much potential. I can't not do something with it, but it's, it's an idea that's going to take years to deal right. with because I've got to get patents and I've got to develop it and I've got to find buyers and I got to decide, is it a casino game or is it a table game for home play and, or is it right. both, you know, right. but the idea was so cool and I was so struck and I was so like, you know, uh, blown away by it. And still I get that. I mean, I'm excited now about it because right. it's such a cool idea and I've still to this day not seen it exist. So, you know, well, I'm excited to pursue that. But I guess the point is, is that I, you know, I don't have a lot of those either. I have a few of those, mm -hmm. you know, and, but that doesn't, I think, mean that any of the smaller ideas are less important because again, it's that piggybacking of ideas. What did I say? I went from it being a singular idea to talking to joy to then bringing multiple people in and then trying to play it well, and look, so you know yeah look at how uh the dark art society came about you know mm -hmm. that was like a total that's a big idea that's a huge idea it's one Absolutely. of you know the biggest out of anything we're, we've been uh doing and that came from the documentary and that could in you know in the long run that could be the biggest thing to come out of that documentary you know is the dark art society if it grows as big as we hope it does yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. this podcast, this podcast is because Mike had the dream to make the documentary, which is really fascinating because the podcast got got us thinking about this idea of that dark art and the dark art society. And then the podcast, you know, came from how do we get the idea of the dark art society out out there without having a website or a home base? Oh. Oh, let's do a podcast, you know, so oh. 
Really well, and what's interesting to me too, I mean, to then t- take a, a branch off that tree that's even smaller, but for me as kind of another manifestation is like emails from infinity wouldn't have become a podcast of a book that I'd already written were it not for the Dark Art Society right. podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I felt like, oh, I, you know, I did this with Chad. I've already done it. So Got I could a microphone. do it. So I, was, I was open, right? I was <laughs> yeah. open again to pursuing that and taking that to that next level. So it's all really uh, interconnected, certainly. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, I think if if you have any books on um, lucid dreaming, you maybe you could get gather links for the for the description because I think that is you 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 yourself said you kind of taught yourself this whole dreaming lucid dreaming sure, thing, sure. and you cultivated that. It's not like you could naturally just do it whenever you wanted, and you got to a point where you could. So that might be a good resource for people as far as you know getting big ideas is just starting to learn how to become lucid in your dreams. And sure. that this is going to be a tangent, but I forgot to tell you. So I thought I'd tell you here. Um, I had a lucid dream the other night, which is really pretty rare for me. It mm-hmm. was so weird. I was all of a sudden in this room and I was looking at like a pegboard, you know, a pegboard in a garage where you, uh-huh. and, and all I could see was like a close up. It's like my view is like a camera view, close up of a pegboard with a little shelf and then a little wall, like two pieces of wood, like a shelf and then a Mm -hmm. wall and a pegboard. And on the pegboard was like, instead of those metal pegs where you hang up um, uh, tools, it was like, I don't know, they were like plastic, kind of bendy. Mm-hmm. And it and the weird thing, well, it was all weird, but <clears throat> there was this one little light, a little blue light that was lighting it. And it was really dark. It was a super dim light. So I could barely mm-hmm. see. And I was looking at it and I'm like, oh shit, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious in the dream. I got to like see what's up. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to wake up. So I was like doing everything all fast because I didn't want to uh-huh. wake up. So I started touching it. I started kind of going, you know, waving my hand over these little plastic prongs that were sticking out of the pegboard, uh-huh. which I could barely see because the light was so dim. And I, I, I actually could pick this, it was like a little keychain light and I could pick it up and I was trying to see it, but it just wouldn't get brighter. And it was the weirdest feeling. I was rubbing my hands over the plastic little nubs that were sticking out, but I, f- and I could see my hand here, but the mm-hmm. feeling, and this doesn't make any sense. The feeling was that my hand was down here doing it. Uh-huh. So like everything was off like an inch or two. Where uh-huh. it was, I can't even describe, I don't know how I could feel that it was off, but I just knew that it was like, uh-huh. it wasn't lined up properly. Isn't mm-hmm, that weird? Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. Like your whole, like, like your, your whole entire dream alignment needed mm-hmm. like a tuning. It was all skewed. Like right. your TV would get skewed back in the day or whatever. Yeah, and it's like, I couldn't see it. It wasn't bright enough. It was just, it was so Well, it's interesting so that you cool brought up that, it's interesting that you brought up that you, you raised up and looked at your hand because I would say that, you know, in a nutshell, at least for people listening to this, so that you don't have to go out of your way to try to learn some really involved self, self hypnosis process, you know, which you can learn about that. And there's lots of books on it. And you could also listen to my emails from infinity podcast. And I, I give a lot of tips in there, but the, the key, the best thing, the key thing I could tell anyone, which will give you the greatest chance of success is, is actually to tell yourself to do what Chet just did, which is that while you're laying down to go to sleep and you're just laying there before you go to sleep, kind of in that state of just thinking about things and kind of drifting, just tell yourself that you're going to have a dream. And in your dream, you're going to be looking at your hands. And it's not like you, it's not like you're like, 
you know, asking yourself, it's like you tell yourself like, yeah, tonight I'm going to have a dream and yeah. in my dream, I'm going to be looking at my hand. Key, it's just that simple. It's just like is, a simple little, you have to do it every single yeah, night that, over and say, over and over. It's consistency and it will you happen. Have to do it. Yeah. You have to do it every night. And if you do it every night, you know, you won't do it. And it may not, it may take three days. It may take three years. I can't tell you, but at some point in time, yeah, you yeah, will just yeah. wake up in a dream and you'll be looking at your hands and you'll have this overwhelming sensation of like, oh my God, I'm having a dream and I know I'm having a dream, but I'm going to give you one more tip. This is the, the next tip because there's a whole slew, a slew of tips that relate to this process. But the first tip is this, you will get kicked out of your dream if you get too excited about your surroundings. Yeah. So the key is to like look you'll up, wake, yeah, look, wake up, look around a little bit, but like in a little snippet and then use your hand as an anchor and go back to your hands because the thing is you'll always have your hands with you in your dream and you can look at them and know, oh, wow, I'm having a dream and focus on them. But then you can again, look up from your hands and again, interact with your surroundings. But if you use your hands as a way to navigate and keep yourself in the dream, you can take longer and longer breaks from your hands and that's as far as I'll take the uh, advice today. But yeah, it's it's pretty profound where how far you can take these string of exercises. Yeah, uh, it's it's the, in, the the thing about for me when I have them is you know I'm afraid I get I start freaking out that I'm going to wake yeah. up. Yeah, I start panicking like because it, it's such a special thing when it happens. It's like it's, oh my god, this is so amazing. It's so crazy. It feels like uh, it feels like you know the DMT experience I had where you're yeah, like in another feels, space. It feels like yeah. you're in this other dimension you know mm -hmm. and it's totally real and aware and you it's, can look it's around. life altering i mean it's one of those things that you wake up from and you do kind of i mean most people that i've talked to and certainly for myself when i started doing it, it you you feel like the world has changed even in your waking state it affects mm -hmm. you it's it's yeah. a profound thing but it's also like chet said you know that the main thing and and just to use one book as a reference point carlos castaneda wrote a whole series of books and i won't go into the controversy behind them and why it is that you should not worry about that controversy and just read them and enjoy <laughs> them anyway but his ninth one which i don't suggest you read out of order but if you need to it's called the art of dreaming and you'll be confused because it's written in order and so there's a lot of story that comes before that but if you really feel like you need to just jump to it read the art of dreaming and there's some really fascinating stuff in there about you know the, the whole process of utilizing dreams and utilizing some of these techniques to become you know, hyper aware in those states. And, you know, it does have a profound far reaching effect. And for me, it was, it was very much a, a you know, I'm trying to um, help myself by dealing with my fear. And one of the things they talk about in those books is the gates of dreaming. And the first gate of dreaming is fear is what they say in, you know, in this series of books. And basically what it means is, is that in order to become lucid in a dream and, you know, see your hands, you have to be fearless enough to allow yourself to do it. It's that simple. Right. It's a matter of you actually holding yourself back from doing it, that you're not able to achieve it. And once you get past that fear of it actually happening, it will happen. So it really is is part and parcel with how afraid a person is. And not even just fear with actually becoming aware in your dream, but just fear in your life in general, right. how fearful you are in general. Right. You know? Yeah, it was weird before. I, I mean, we're still on the tangent. We should bring it back around before we wrap things up. But um when I was falling asleep that same day, night, um, I, ha I started getting, I had another weird lucid dream where the blanket was being pulled off me and it was like by this invisible thing. It was super uh, yeah. scary and like slowly started coming off me and then it was yanked off me. I don't know if you saw that movie legend of hell house. Yeah. 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 There's a great scene where the ghost pulls the blanket off her and, um, that happened and it like, 
I woke up because I was so scared. Like, and it, uh-huh. but it was definitely like one of those weird, creepy, lucid dreams where it was like, ooh, there's something bad in the bad in the room trying to mess yeah, with me. Yeah. Well, all those things. I mean, we could, you know, again, this is we could have a whole topic for uh, about dreams and stuff, but all of that stuff tied together. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, do we, could, one, we should maybe. probably do a part two. Yeah. But, you know, when you're talking about uh, sleep paralysis, when you're talking about hypnagogic states, when you're talking about out-of-body experiences, when you're talking about lucid dreaming, when you're talking about astral projection, all of those things correlate. That's as far as I'll take it. And it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it ultimately is. And I've done a lot of research on it. You and I've talked Same a lot with about tripping. it. You know, yeah, that, it, you absolutely. Know. They all correlate. And, and so now how exactly is different for each individual? Absolutely. It's not, you know, there's nothing ubiquitous about it. Like, oh, well, it's just this way. You can't categorize that kind of stuff and put it in a nice, neat little box and put a name on it. You know, yeah. that's not the way that stuff works. And and thank God for that, honestly, because that's the mystery. That's the excitement. That's where these big ideas come from, you yeah. know, is that place where, that we can't define, that we can't pin down onto a nice styrofoam board and label, you know. Right. Otherwise, everyone would do it. Yeah. It well, I, you know, I, I'm really glad we finally got to do this episode because for me, again, I think that, and I think I know for you that, you know, the ideas, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And then as you go along, you know, through once you've had this idea, continuing to be open to the evolution of that idea. And I think that's one of the things we really came to is you got to be open to get the ideas, but then you have to remain open as best as you're able to the evolution of that idea because it will be further shaped and honed and galvanized by other ideas. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, an idea continuum and, and uh, keeping your mind clear and the idea continuum. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. a great episode. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, I guess trying to distill it down uh, again it's it's about having a clear head and being in the present moment and being open you know it's yep. all about being open and uh so there well, you know, i want to mention one more thing about ideas at the end here if anybody has not seen the documentary that is uh yordorowski's dune you gotta watch it chet you gave me a link to it on youtube years ago and it was pretty low res because yeah. i think it was pirated or something um but andrew hawkins just sent me a blu-ray of it oh, as cool. a gift and yeah, thank you andrew, you rule and i have not seen it on blu-ray and we've only watched half of it again but what a great example of an idea you know and the thing is is here was this amazing idea by this amazing character who then followed his intuition along a pathway to incorporate all of these other amazing artists mm-hmm. with all these other amazing ideas i mean he was going to have planets with bands like pink floyd and magna and yeah. orson wells was going to be in it and Carradine and dolly as the emperor i mean it was just insane yeah. and of course it was never made um, which is part of the story, but you, you know, you gotta, you gotta watch that documentary if you haven't seen it. But I guess, again, it gets me excited because it was this one guy who had this idea, you know, and what he was able to do, despite the fact they didn't make it rallying the kinds of people he did and creating the kind of work they did to pitch that to the, the big production houses and stuff and how that ultimately may or may not have influenced what, what was made filmically in the long run. You know, all of that is just comes from this idea that this guy was super enthusiastic and hopeful mm-hmm. about and then he was open enough to remain in an intuitive state to continue to adopt all of these other ideas and to incorporate them and to take it to this potential next level where you know he fundamentally really did I think believe that that movie was going to change the world you know right. and and how amazing is that now again 
along the way, it, it didn't manifest. And so, you know, does that mean that it, that it won't or that it shouldn't have or that he didn't listen to his intuition? Who knows? But, you know, it's just another example of, of the big idea, you know, and how that big idea can go. And so if you haven't seen it, it's really fun. And of course, it's got H.R. Giger artwork in it and all kinds of great dark stuff. Yeah, it's great. It's a great documentary. Do you want to, uh, we're going to read names off? <clears throat> yeah, I got to pull that up. <laughs> you would have forgot, wouldn't you? I remembered and you forgot. How can you, be- can you believe that? You guys hear that? That you is guys hear that? Chet remembered. And Mike forgot. I, I, that is the most well, rare occasion. I, I, you know, it's funny that, that you've already decided that that was the outcome. <laughs> right? Would you just let me have, it. can you let me have this please? I did. I did let you have it. <laughs> okay. So the last time that we did these, the last, the last backer that we mentioned, and, and when I say backer, actually, I mean, patron, we have the uh, yes, patreon.com forward slash dark art society. And these are the people, the new patrons each week that we're supposed to be reading off and no, we I, missed last week yeah before i say that or before you say that the dark art society cooperative which you get entry into the secret group the dark art society cooperative on facebook that is a place where ideas are happening right now about the art, dark art society movement and the dark art society dark art movement so that is a uh that's full of big ideas ideas are happening by people conversing okay sorry go ahead yeah, and you can go and you can actually become an official member of the Dark Art Society for one buck a month and get into this group and also get your name read at the end, which is what I'm about to do for the people that we missed last week when we were talking to Jim Beinke. We apologize <laughs> for that. It was a mistake. It was not intentional. Here we go. Adam Cooter was the one from the last episode. We'll go on from there. We got Mike Boston, Tony Haas, Thea Sachs, and after that it says Frau Sakra, <laughs> Emily Stegerwald, I'm hoping I do these right, Eric De La Vega, Donovan Klingle, Billy Webster, Matt Huff, Ben Walling, and Paul Gerard. So I believe that that is all of the new members in the past two weeks. And yeah, you guys can join up. And again, you, you know, it's not just that you get into this group and you get access to these ideas, but also fundamentally you're, you're paying for us to take this to the next level, which is to create a, a web page where we will have a huge inventory of resources available to dark artists and kind of a, you know, a, um, a central point for convergence for this movement. So that's the big next step. And we are about a little over halfway to the goal that we need monthly to be able to achieve that. So jump on board, support it, become a member. It's reasonable. It's $1 a month. I think, I mean, I, I can't even barely afford $1 a month right now, but I'm, I'm still back in two for $1 a month. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I keep and- telling myself I can afford it, even though I can't. <laughs> yes. And thank you for everyone who has supported um, so far, because it's really every day it gets bigger and, and becomes more of a, a, a reality for all the dark artists across the country and dark art fans across the world. Actually, they're all over the Absolutely. world. And, uh, don't forget if you if you are interested in following my my Patreon, let me plug my Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com. What is it? Slash Chet Czar. Yeah, it's patreon.com forward slash Chet Czar. Yeah, one word. And uh, that's that's going really well. I've been posting every day and I've got all kinds of really cool process stuff and time lapse videos and tr- pro tips and it's really going well. Um some of the coolest stuff I've ever posted, I think, and it's only been a week and a half because I'm really getting in, down into the nitty gritty of, of how I make my work. So come check it out. 
please. Yeah, go check out his Patreon. It is super cool. I'm backing his, and actually he is backing mine. Um, I have a couple, but the one that I'm really excited about right now is for my ritual art. And when I say my ritual art, I'm talking about the wards that I make and the wands, and actually all of the artwork that I do is ritual art, even if it's a, a wall sculpture. So um, I'm I'm not doing the same model as Chet because I don't have all of the fine art stuff to show off, but I am definitely showing you guys my process and taking you along for the journey, with, whether that's through the stories that I'm writing or the images that I'm showing or the videos or discounts, Skypes and free mineral giveaways. So it's yeah, cool. It I like out. it. I like your Patreon a lot. It's really cool. Thanks. It's that's patreon.com forward slash land of enchantment tours. Well, thank you for listening once again. Um, do we know who's going to be on next week? We have not pinned down next week. Uh, yeah. The week I think I'm pretty sure I know who we're doing the week after that. But um, okay, well we won't say anything then. Because yeah. I thought I thought we had him next week, but no. Who? Sj. Oh yeah, no. Okay. No. I'm sure he. I'm sure he's going to want to wait until as close to you know. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Well, we, we don't know just... what we're going to do next week, but you all should tune in anyway because <laughs> we are the Dark Art Society podcast. <laughs> Don't rub the thing on the microphone when you do it, though. It was going... (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the sound effect. What do you mean? I like it, though. (laughs) We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye.